Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway, coming to you from our nation's capital today, Kara. Are you? What were you doing there? I had a breakfast with Mm -hmm. um, about a dozen uh, congressmen and congresswomen and a few senators. And then I met with another senator to talk about big tech. What else? So let's hear about what happened. Why were they all together for a breakfast? I just was in Washington. Now I'm in New York City. But what was the breakfast about? So there's a breakfast that's hosted by the Aspen Institute, and it's every, where are we, Thursday morning for the last, I guess, 30 years, where Mm -hmm. they bring in a speaker on a topic of interest, and you speak for 15 minutes, and then they throw questions at you, and it's Mm -hmm. actually a really nice environment, and this was all about big And what was your message? What was your message to these congresspeople? Well, you know my message. My message is that these organizations have become invasive species. They are they are Sith lords who started out benign and then turned to the dark side of the force. And unless we arm, we arm you, our representatives, uh, with insight and data and the backbone and wherewithal to break up what have become invasive species, that we're going to continue to cont- kill innovation in our c- country. Our tax base is going to erode. The middle class is going to continue to experience flat wages, that the, the government is here to serve the, the governed, not the governors, and these companies have become the governors. So the Sith Lords, the Sith Lords, that's really interesting. I just had Shoshana Zuboff on talking about this. She has a book called Surveillance Capitalism where she has exactly the same messages, the, 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 the hijacking of everything by these companies um, and, and for more dire, even more dire predictions from her in terms of what's going to happen. Do they hear you? Do they, do they, because you know I've been banging this drum for a while too. So do they hear, hear your messaging? Well, I'm curious to get, uh, your take, my my take, and I'm new to Washington. Mm-hmm. I've been here ten times in my life and five times in the last month. They hear you, they agree, they nod their head, and they are totally befuddled as to what to do about it. Mm-hmm. Because I, you know, the scary thing is, I think they're outgunned. One, they're outgunned by complexity. These are difficult problems to understand. Only seven percent of our electorate has a background in technology or engineering, so they're just sort of they're intimidated by the subject material. And two, there's. Amazon has 88 full-time lobbyists in D.C., and you've written about this. The one area of each of uh, the big tech organizations spending that's increased faster than anything, increased faster than R&D hiring, is lobbying. Mm-hmm. So when the the uh, legislation that bans sex trafficking and puts platforms like Backpage out of business and gets a 97 to 1 vote in favor, you think, well, that's bipartisan. That should work. There's now an organization challenging that and trying to take it to the Supreme Court worried that any 
any um, inhibition of what a platform could do could be bad for them. And that organization is a front for Google. So right. even when it comes to yep. sex trafficking, Google is willing to spend a lot of money to fight it because it's the they point, think it might be Scott. Bad. It's the point, Scott. It's really astonishing how they, these people have changed. Their, their, their love of money and power is so profound and they pretend they don't have it. It's really quite fascinating. And they do think it's being better for the world. They do think they're being better for the world. And in fact, they're eroding democracy and all parts of it. it, it, it at a quantumly fast rate. I'm so hopped up right now after talking to Shoshana Zuboff because I think, you know, she's a longtime studier of these issues. And, you know, you start to see it and we're, we sort of are, are captive of it and are giving over information uh, in ways that we don't uh, we don't even realize. And and for free stuff, for sure. But it's, it's also the people that I think uh, at their heart, people do think about this. It's just not a sexy political campaign topic. You can't say, hey, I'm going to save your data for you. Like the healthcare is the things that people care about and things like that. But this is in a lot of ways more damaging to to our, from the bottom that we don't have control and we get manipulated and from the top that we don't, we're, stu- we're made stupid by this. But if we're not smart enough to participate, we're, we're on the outside of it. So it's a really difficult um, thing to sell, I think, from these pol- political point of view. But you brought up a key point, and Wired did some fantastic reporting on this, and that is the traditional argument against the breakup of these guys is that because antitrust is based on consumer harm and the primary metric for determining consumer harm or lack thereof is price, and they say, well, Amazon's brought down prices and Google and Facebook are free for their users. But they're looking at it the wrong way because think about, think about the Facebook apps. Have they improved dramatically? Are they changed from a consumer standpoint over the last two or three years? I would argue not a heck of a lot. But think about the price we're starting to pay around these things. Think about the price of privacy. Think about the price we're paying as parents mm-hmm. with teen depression. Think about the price we're paying as citizens that our elections have potentially been contaminated. Think about the increased price we're paying, and not only a violation of our privacy, but the fact that fear and anxiety that this, these platforms might be weaponized. So I would argue, and the argument I made to our representatives this morning, is that the price uh, of these organizations, the price of this product has skyrocketed, and the reason the that prices is a really good way to put it. the reason the prices have skyrocketed is because they can increase these prices because they're monopolies. We just don't see it as pricing in the traditional sense, and also that the end consumer for Google and Facebook is PNG and Ford, and look at the pricing to buy keywords or things on Facebook. So. They, I find that our elected representatives, and I'm naive, I'm, I'm not jaded yet, I find they're earnest, smart, thoughtful people who want to do the right thing. And I just worry, Kara, I worry that they're outgunned. Right. I think so, too. But, you know, we push back cigarette manufacturing. Remember when they were ascendant or, yep. you know, chemical, you know, they come back, of course, when the Trump administration, they're rolling back all kinds of, uh, you know, pollution standards and stuff. But they always come back. The forces of retrograde in this country are so strong and so irritating uh, that we can't stop them. But I do think, you know, it's really interesting that both uh, Senator Klobuchar and Senator Warren have, when they announced their uh, candidacies for president, whether they win or not, antitrust was one of them. Um, and a lot of them are hostile, a lot of, especially the Democrat, Democratic candidates. And Trump is hostile in a weird way to tech, but not in any effective way. Um, he just sort of rails on on Twitter, yeah. all places. Um, but all of them have some questions about tech, for sure. I don't know if they'll do anything about it, but they certainly are saying things, especially Klobuchar in her announcement this weekend. What did you think of her announcement? I thought it was interesting from an imagery standpoint, her in the snow. I love the snow. Yeah, I thought it was pretty snow. cool. I thought she's she's interesting. I mean, it was all like, of course, there were all these interesting stories all of a sudden that popped up about, you know, coffee cup throwing, but whatever. 
Um, you know what the uh, wor- you know what the worst flex in her speech though is she's like what? trying to rile everybody for all the Americans that want liberty for all for all the people that want their children to have a better life for all the seniors that want access to more affordable prescription medication. <laughs> oh my God, that was the worst flex in the world. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know she's an interesting candidate. I think she's you know she's uh, uh, one of the I think the worst stories that came out was that the Republicans love her. Like and you're like no no that's bad for the you know the Ocasio wing of the Democratic Party. So uh, that was an interesting, that'll be an interesting fight between the left and the middle, the left-ish, the left side and the and the sort of middle side of the Democratic Party. But I think they all do stand, like Ocasio and others do, are sort of anti-tech in a really interesting way um, and, do, and are bringing up very much needed criticisms. And even Trump does, but he doesn't, there's no follow-through on anything. He has, he has a lizard sense of the problem, I think, in many ways. Um, so we'll see. We'll see bipartisanship. Uh, so you did a bonus hot take on this, but I think we're done with Bezos and his penis. I'm just now, trying you know? to. I'm just trying to get your attention. I'm just flirting with people <laughs> without you trying to get your attention. Kara, as Carly Simon said, don't you know I'm beautiful to strangers? Don't you no. know? Uh, Notice, no, Kara. No, I think where are we with Bezos and the penis situation? I think we're. We'll see what go, how it happens, like where it goes, right? Okay, Correct, so to speak. This is this stuff. Well, first off, I, I think that. We need to acknowledge that the problem isn't Jeff Bezos sending out his junk. It's that the rest of us in technology have not been sending mm. out pictures of our junk. So I just want to warn no, you right. now, right. my, Christmas card, my Christmas card, my Christmas card, Kara, is from Big Ed and the Twins. It's coming your way no, in December. No, no, no. That's the problem. That's the problem. Absolutely. You- Sexist pig. I will have you arrested. <laughs> there you go. All right. We're, but, but we're thinking about this thing, but in, whether he got it, whether it was the brother-in-law, whether it was this, it still was good that he wrote it up. And obviously, it was a fantastic skit on SNL with Meet the Press and a fake uh, the Chuck Todd and the discussing of the penis. It was very, very funny. I know normally high-minded journalists wouldn't talk about something like this, but it does involve the richest man in America and the president of the United States. So, Jeff Bezos' penis. What do you think it's going to look like? You know, I'm going to jump right in, Chuck. Now, when I hear billionaires' penis, I immediately think small potatoes. You know, it's like they say, if it's small and looks funny, you better have the money, honey. I find this whole Bezos thing just uh, uber fascinating on a bunch of levels. And I Mm -hmm. think there's two interesting things. So, uh, Kara, name the most famous female CEO. Like who comes to oh, mind? Sheryl Sandberg. Sheryl Sandberg. Okay, Sheryl Sandberg. Oh, CEO. CEO. She's not a CEO. Um, probably. Not a lot of them, right? Ginny <laughs> Ramadi, I guess. Not famous, but uh, uh, Indra Nui. Okay, let's sure. let's take those two. I won't even use their name. What if one of these okay. individuals had been sending pictures of their genitalia out to no. their boyfriend with four kids not and good. married? Would that would that woman have survived that? Would she? No, of course. Are you kidding? She'd be in the in the stock. She'd be in the stock in the main square, and people would be throwing garbage. At her. It, it would be a very different situation. So there, there's mm-hmm. there's a weird. Oh, we've noticed sexism in our society. How nice. <laughs> just of you catch, to check in. Just catching up. Would you like to know about how gay people have been mis- Se- mistreated? Or seven thousand. Seven. Would you like the lesson on that one. Seven thousand years later. Mm-hmm. By the way, Fox is yeah. going after you, and I've decided I am no longer oh, going please. on Tucker Carlson. Just Tucker. You know why, Kara? Because I've decided what? I am of Kara. They called you a handmaiden. Okay. I am of Kara. <laughs> I am with you. I will jump in front of that plastic bullet called <laughs> the Tucker weapon. 
I am willing. No, here. Tucker Carlson's producer, do not call me. I am of Kara. What a twit he is, isn't he? He's ridiculous. It's if he was factual, it would be all right. You know it's what I mean? Like bad. he could say a lot of things about me, but it's all that not oh factual. The second part is like the most elite. Per- I just he's just a ridiculous clown. He's just a ridiculous. I knew I'd get you going, clown. I knew I'd get I mean, you he's going. He's just awful. He's awful. He's I, you know I, I tape a little bit right near in Washington, and I always take pictures saying I'm in the building, Tucker. I'm around. I'm here. I think he has a crush on. Me. That's what I think. I've decided. He has a uh, okay, so speaking me. of dicks, back to Bezos. So, yeah, no, no, no. The, uh, first no, thing. No, HQ2. I don't want to talk hold about on, hold on, I'm hold talking on, about HQ2. There's something very interesting HQ2, here. is it going to happen? Something very interesting Are they, they going to, so to speak, get it up? Are they going to get that headquarters up? I'm Let's, on a roll. Come on. I'm on a roll. I wanna, Feel me on this. The, okay. the other thing that's no, really interesting HQ2. here. HQ2. I promise I'll get there. The other thing that's really interesting no, is he said that. You have only a few minutes. He said that owning the Washington Post was a complexifier. It's not yeah. a complexifier. It's a save as assifier because a thing I have noticed about this is that Bezos is considered or a responsible steward for the Washington Post. There is a reservoir mm-hmm. of goodwill towards him from journalists, and every journalist has sided mm-hmm. with him. They see him as yeah. a hero, and yeah, Tucker I, didn't like that. I can't. I can't help but feel like, is this guy really a hero? I appreciate the fact he's kicking back. He's like the guy who stole a car, and then the DA. Tried to get him to cop to a murder deal, and the and the and the and the criminal said, "You know what? I'm not going to take this abuse." And now this person is a hero. But let's remember, this guy yes, really he's a, he's screwed up. He's a mixed up. bag with journalists. He's a mixed bag with journalists. You can be that. You can do that. That's okay. We don't. I don't love him for the HQ stew stuff. I don't love him for the 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 the. the the information grab. I don't, there's, there, there's. You guys there's are feelings. slobbering over Jeff Bezos right no, now. No, not you at all. No, 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 no. I think him. the gimmies for He's the a hero. New York thing, I'm, I'm totally on the Ocasio side on this one. Yeah, I don't 100%. know. 100%. Okay, so you want to talk. I, we can have two arguments in our head, like and dislike someone at the same time. You, dislike you go first. What do you think is going to happen HQ2. in HQ2. I think HQ2. it's in danger. I think it's possibly in danger. Unless Amazon gives. And I don't, Amazon doesn't like to give. Yeah. They don't have to give. Yeah. With the Staten Island's offering up Staten Island and stuff like that. What do you think? So I, I, I don't know because I don't feel like I'm in touch with New York politics. I just think Andrew Cuomo is the worst poker player ever. I genuinely believe that we forget these companies are run by humans. Their, their algorithms drive them, but they're run by humans. And I believe that Jeff Bezos at 55 years old worth $150 billion wants to be within a helicopter ride of the Disneyland for a billionaire who's 55, and that is New York City. Mm-hmm. And so I think yep, he's going right. to figure out a way to maintain momentum in his midlife crisis by having HQ2A be somewhere within a helicopter ride or a, you know a town car ride of Manhattan. What about Hoboken? Hoboken, Staten Island, he could do a lot of things. He wants to be, right. it's like if I told my eight-year-old we can live anywhere, he would say, oh, great, we can live anywhere as long as it's within riding distance or a bike ride of Universal Studios. He's obsessed with yeah. Universal. Right. I okay. think a 55-year-old yes, single man wants to be within spitting distance of Manhattan. So I think they're going to figure it out. All right. All right. Okay. He seems more like a Brooklyn character to me. Anyway, when we get back, we are going to talk more about these things. When we get back, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be talking about uh, fails and wins and some predictions. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor. What's a mistake they made that changed their approach? And how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 
Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline. Because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Okay, we're back with Scott Galloway. He's down in D.C. lobbying uh, the, our various representatives. Uh, and I'm in New York City. Um, wins and fails this week. Um, we're here to do that. I would say I'm going to go up first because my I think the win was a hashtag Kara Jack, and yet it was also a fail. So um, we, we can do a rundown of what I learned from him, which was very little, but it was really interesting. And I don't know if you paid attention to it, but much of the Internet did. And it was a, it was a, it was a goat rodeo. It was a clusterfuck. It was fascinating. So tell me what you think of Kara Jack. So you call it a, a win-loss or a win-lose? Yeah. So I, yeah, I don't. I think I won. Yeah. I like. I you know. I I don't know. I, there were some things he said, and there were a lot of insights. When I kept saying be specific, and he wasn't. I think people understood the difficulties of our job, um, and uh, and I think he did say a few things, including I think something that a lot of people were sort of disturbed by, which was picking Elon Musk as his favorite Twitter personality, um, which I think was an interesting choice, but other people felt it was exactly indicative of the problems um, because such, you know, Elon has such a complex history on Twitter, both bad and good. Um, So what do you think? What do you, I'd love to know your thoughts. So you call it a win-lose and I think you're half right. Uh, I thought, (laughs) I thought it was awful. And I, I I think that it was like watching C-SPAN in Chinese. It was both boring yet confusing. I just didn't, (laughs) I I found the whole thing ridiculous. I tuned in because I like you and I was interested to see what, what he might say. But he, the problem Mm -hmm. is these people realize that there's no defense for what they're doing. So they employ communications Mm -hmm. tactics like I'll testify in front of Congress as long as I can play beat the clock and say a bunch of gibberish for five minutes and then go on to the next person. There's a lot of gibberish going on. And he did, quite frankly, I think he played us, and I'll say us, because when you give him questions via Twitter, he can say bullshit like, our policy on hate speech has evolved. What the the fuck does that mean? Yes. And you would try and press him, and he couldn't be pressed because he wasn't sitting across the desk for you. So Mm -hmm. to me, it is obscene that an individual who has is responsible for the algorithms that create some of the most important or influential media in the world is shit scared of the media and won't come on your show. so Jack, yeah, I know. I he does not that. get a pass. Get Come the, on the show. He said he. He, is he said he wants to branch out. You are the branch. Come right. on the I show. So I can't. I can't hijack him. For goodness' sake, I can't. Hijack. But I, the thing is, I do. I do. I don't totally agree. I think there was one. People saw the lack of transparency. One. Two, they saw that a lot of people understood the the bullshit. It was talked about a lot how he did that. Some people had very funny versions of it. Felix Salmon had a really funny tweet and stuff like that. But you're right. They do, they obfuscate and they find ways to get around it. And I think the medium, one of the things that was very indicative was that the CEO of Twitter didn't know how to use Twitter or couldn't use Twitter or couldn't, it wasn't able to have a conversation and their whole focus is conversations. And so I think that was, I, I think that's, to me, you know, for example, in the Mark Zuckerberg podcast when he couldn't answer the question of how he felt about the deaths in Myanmar and India, it it indicated something. It was a very big moment for people to go, oh, 
he can't articulate it. And I think though you in those white space moments, you get just as much information about these people and uh, little tiny bits of it. And I get that it's, it's, I get they're obfuscating. I get they're trying to run away from real encounters with real people and real journalists, but they do, they can't, they don't win. I don't think that was a win for him at all. Though you might. No. Because I don't think it was reminiscent of Sheryl Sandberg's talk at DLD. And that is by the end of it, everybody Mm -hmm. was bored yet angry. And it just, yeah, it exactly. didn't do him, he didn't do himself any favors. So if you want to be, if you want to be CEO of a large media company and you want to pretend to take responsibility, then, you know, then, then, then stiffen up, put on a tie, bring the nose ring and the beard down and talk to Kara and meet of Kara, meet of Kara, meet her, of Kara. Meet, <laughs> meet her handmaid. There are fewer, there are fewer and fewer people who want to meet with me, but that's okay. I don't care. I still have some power. So, um, but I think it's, it is interesting. Uh, you know, we have done a lot of interviews and he does show up compared to many yeah. people. And actually one of the things, the only thing that I thought was relatively, he's not easily offended. A lot of these other people I have to deal with their offense at my mean questions. And he is not someone who gets offended. And that's a pleasure, I have to say, compared to other people. He does, he's a professional in that manner. Um, I, I don't think you know, that's I it. Him an I don't F. think that's it. I, I, I don't mind. I, listen, it's just a small. I, I think thing. he's actually very offended. I just think he has a lot of Botox, and you can't register his emotions as well. <laughs> you can't see. You couldn't tell. He has that nice yeah, beard going. I don't on. think you can. All tell. right, moving on to another fail. This Esquire magazine cover story profiling the white American boy at the age in the age of Trump during Black History Month. Uh, I had a little few tweets about this. Any thoughts? You know, Esquire, let's go grab a highball with Angie Dickinson after the Johnny show. It's just, <laughs> why do we care? I like, I, I think Esquire's done some good work. I actually like the people there. I think they've done an amazing <laughs> job staying relevant, but it's literally like, let's go buy a Cadillac. I mean, I love, I, I got to admit, yeah. I love Esquire because I like the old school stuff, but why Why does Kara yeah. Swisher care what Esquire puts on its cover? Because I, this, because it's ridiculous. They're just like, I, what I didn't like, I don't like is like how they're like, oh my God, we're being, this. one of the editor's uh, DMs was, he DM'd, he publicly did a DM, is, which is like, shows you exactly how much they love, you know, you're right, Angie Dickinson is right. Um, what is this internet thing? Um, and it, it just was like this typical, like they just knew, like, can you just like have just some awareness of the modern age? That's a, just a tiny bit. Maybe start with a black kid on the cover of the first one. Like, or whatever, just something different. And they just, they wanted to be controversial and then they didn't want the controversy, which is irritating. If you're going to go out there, you know, all these whining journalists about how they're attacked. I'm just like, please. Like, I'm t- I have to deal with Tucker Carlson for fuck's sake. Like, just suck it up. Like, suck up the the the, the, the criticism and, and, and expect it when you do something like that. That's my feeling. I think I have more empathy for that kind of tone deaf stupidity that constantly emerges uh. from white male heterosexual. Keep in mind, Kara, and I hope this makes you more patient with me. When I first moved to Laguna, uh, before my parents got divorced, hold me. But anyways, before they split up, we got this thing called cable TV. And you know what I watch four times a day, two hours a day for an eight-year-old developing male mind? Literally, this is not true. I dream of genie. That's what I was raised on. Yes, Master. Jeannie, get to your bottle. So no, I deserve no. some forgiveness. No. I've come none. a long you way. You people want no. I've come. You get none. I had to have no. My, sensitive, my sensitivity training Zero. was the Partridge family. All right, whatever. Whatever. You know, I had a long discussion about Ben Shapiro with my 13-year-old, which was a nightmare of, of enormous proportions. 
Like, I'm just saying, this stuff works online. This, like, sort of bullshit works online. And it just is it's exhausting. All right, we've got to go because we have very limited I didn't time. Get to I, my, I didn't get to my wins or my predictions. I'm going to do. What is your wins? Very so, quickly. Okay. Wins and so my win, I, You've got five I think minutes. scripted, this, the, the defining era of, our, of, of this age or the defining art form is television. And a, a TV show mm-hmm. that I just absolutely adore is Modern Family. And in the midst of all this mm-hmm. noise about Amazon, they announced they're going to have their final season next year. And I watch, I am watching all 11 seasons uh, with my, my two boys, and it makes us all feel and feel closer as a family. I think the amalgam of creativity, writing, great acting is just wonderful. And I would like to play a clip. I don't know for I had the I had the showrunner and creator of it, Steve Levitan, on Code many uh, years ago. Genius. But there's one there's one he clip is. I'd like to play, and it's Jay Pritchard, who is plays who 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 is played by Ed O'Neill. He's the patriarch of the family, and the episode is about uh, being wearing your emotions on your sleeves or keeping your emotions bottled up. And in this scene, right, in this scene, he's it. talking about uh, when his father passed away. Feelings. Huh. I didn't even cry at his funeral. You believe that? The guy was my whole world. Not a tear. Everybody looking at me like, like I didn't love him. But he knew. Yeah, no, right? Of course he did. <laughs> Son of a bitch, that felt good, good night, huh? Wow. I know. They just won therapy. All right, Scott, what did you get from that? Uh, you know, I, that show at at our, at at our age, Kara. You know what I want from media? I want to feel something, and, and Modern mm. Family makes me feel something mm. every week. Okay, well, that's what media is supposed to do, and it's when it's good. I thought it was really supposed good, to make right? us think. I wanted to feel. I'm done thinking. Well, I went and saw Aquaman, and it didn't make me feel anything except that guy's. That guy's hot. No, that was a lot of movie. I had to say, I did get my whatever twenty nine dollars worth in terms of stuff. It was a big, good. It was a lot. There was a lot going on there. But you're right. You do want to feel something. You do. You, you yeah. know, like how you felt watching Black Panther. Whenever it's done really well, it really media is wonderful. Most of the time, it makes people sick these days, unfortunately. Um, predictions, predictions. Okay, I have Barry my Diller one prediction. coming in, and he does not wait. Let me just tell you, he does. Not I am wait. so scared of Barry Diller. The well, two of you, you together. Be. You should. That's like we're the doing Genghis a podcast to talk about media. his thing in the in the river here in New York. And he has lots of things to say. He's very. He's. I love interviewing Barry Diller. Yeah, so. he's, that, that'll be a good one. So, okay, my prediction, I'm in D.C. I'm going to send him after you if he's if you're— if No, 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 no. I was literally just thinking, say nothing about me. <laughs> that guy scares the shit out of me. He should. So predictions, um, please, besides you'll be dead if we don't hurry. Okay, so uh, in the next 30 to 60 days, a new candidate for president on the Democrat side announces and becomes— the front runner or maybe the number two, and it's somebody that ninety-five percent of the American public has never heard of. Who? And what are you doing? Name? Obama? Who is no, it? No, that's close. It's Senator Bennett from Colorado. Oh, I just had lunch with him. Yes, he's fascinating. Not lunch, we had coffee. Um, yes, he's really interesting. That's a really interesting man. He's very eggheady though. I like him. I like his little egghead moves. Ca- char- oh, char- character yeah. over charisma, centrist candidate that's not a billionaire. Colorado is the most likable state in the world. This is a guy who's genuinely concerned with the middle class. He's an odd person, married once, wonderful family, school superintendent, wants to double down on capitalism. And the most important criteria, he checks the Mm. box, 
All of us Democrats are going to come to the conclusion that there's only one criteria, and that is who can beat Trump. And 70% taxes and Medicare for all is a way to reelect Trump. This guy is a capitalist. He's got business experience. He cares. He's into the middle class. All right. I like, I like Senator Michael I, Bennett. I do. You know, it was interesting. My son yelled down from upstairs yesterday. Do you know this Michael Bennett person? I just watched his speech, you know, when he was yelling at whatever. At Cruz? Oh, my God. Oh, that was amazing. These crocodile tears that the senator from Texas is crying for first responders are too hard for me to take. They're too hard for me to take. Because when you sh when the senator from Texas shut this government down in 2013, my state was flooded. It was underwater. People were killed. People's houses were destroyed. Their small businesses were ruined forever. And my son was like, I like him. And he was my son who's voting in 2020 was like in the Kamala. She liked Kamala. And now he likes Michael Bennett, which was really interesting. That was Really? Louis likes that Senator said, Bennett? You know, I, I, like, let me do full yeah. disclosure here. His brother is James Bennett, who I work for at The New York Times. He's the head of the Is that disclosure or name dropping? I like that. Name dropping hidden in disclosure. No, no you have to. It's going to be an issue. It's going to be run the opinion section of The New York Times in the middle of a presidential election. It's going to be an issue. So you and I are going to host a fundraiser for Senator Bennett. And you're going to no, have interesting gonna, people, and I'm going to invite hot people. And you know why I like to have hot people at that. parties? I would be happy to have coffee with him and give him my thoughts on the Internet. But no, thank you. On the, I'm not raising any money for oh, Come anyone. on. Thank you very Come much. Come on. No, I am of Kara. Look look at me. Yeah, well, you can go. <laughs> okay. All right, I have to go. Right. Scott, I have to Barry go Diller. talk to Barry Diller. I'm going to send him your way or his people or his minions. No, don't do be, that. You'll never be heard. You'll be in the Hudson under that island. Uh, He's I, going I will anyway. take on Tucker, not uh, Barry. Send Tucker. You are out for the next. You are not, Go deal with Tucker for me, okay? Go on that show and slap him around. All right, Scott, you're going to be out for the next couple of weeks, globetrotting. So we'll have some guest hosts in your absence who will be, I'm sure, much better than you. Low bar. Uh, anyway, Low bar. Uh, where are you going? Where are you going? I'm going, going to Dubai, Kenya, Tanzania, and Rwanda. Oh, my God. You're going to Dubai? Yeah. Where they? Did you see that story about oh, the no. princess? Oh, no. Are you shaming me? Should I not be going? Uh, you be going I'm going to go and spend a lot of money and meet a lot of nice people and eat some great food. You need to read that story about no. them. Ugh, I'm, they're so anti-women. They, they're so anti. -women. A, I'm not that interested, and B, disturbing. if I read it and they catch me, catch it on me, I might, you might not no, you need ever hear this. from me again. You need to read it. You need to read it. You're, I'm going to send it to you. You're going to okay. read it before you go. And then where else are you going? Dubai, which I will never go to again. Uh, but go ahead. Dubai, Dubai's like Vegas minus the charm. No, I don't want to talk. <laughs> no, you have to read this story. I'm not going to speak okay. to you this story. So what's the other uh, Kenya, place you're going? Tanzania, and Rwanda? Yeah. Wow, that's right? some trip. Fantastic. Are you taking your kids? Uh, it's my wife's birthday, and she's always wanted to go to Africa. So no kids. All right. Bring back some tech and media stories. I want you like yes. Uh, bring back some te uh, tech and media stories about what how they're using the internet and stuff like that. There, I would like some. I don't want homework. Perspective. I don't want homework. What? Okay. Global perspective okay. from those horrible Dubai and and those places. Okay. okay? All right. I would Sounds love to hear job. that. Rebecca Sinanis produces his show. Nishat Kurwa is the executive producer. Thanks also to Eric Johnson. Thanks for listening to Pivot from Vox Media. We'll be back next week. More of a breakdown of all things tech and business. If you like what you heard, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Thanks very much. Hey everyone, this is Rebecca, Pivot Producer Extraordinaire. 
So as soon as we got out of recording this episode, news broke that Amazon is pulling HQ2 out of New York. So Kara and Scott are going to come back in for a bonus episode hot take on what all of this means, and it'll be in your feed later today. So stay tuned for that. And Bezos, if you're listening, quit messing with my production schedule.